0: I know many of you are prophetic. So, see if you can find out where we're going to read from. <laughs> I'm going to look at a number of different texts tonight. I'm going, to go with, I'm going to go with Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah 40, verse 29. He gives strength to the weary. Let me run that through one more time. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Let's all say it together. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. God, tonight, move in power, we pray. Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Right before the greatest breakthrough of your life, In fact, I'll say it this way. Many times before you have the great breakthrough, the devil whips up an attack of weariness. Right before you get the breakthrough in your marriage, whack, he hits you. Right before you get the breakthrough in ministry, he whacks you One, he hits you with weariness. Right before you get a breakthrough in business, he hits you with weariness. Right before you get a breakthrough in family... He hits you in weariness. If you've been giving, serving, and doing all that you knew, all that you know to do to get victory, and yet you're seemingly delayed and so tired and thinking, hmm, it doesn't feel like anything that I've done has actually done any good at all. In other words, you feel like everything that you've been doing is for nothing. It's like, wait, you feel like it's a waste. Now you know if you're taking every thought captive and thinking on that, that that's impossible because if you've been doing the work and the will of the Lord, He doesn't send forth His Word and returns void. He's going to use everything. He even uses bad stuff that the enemy takes. He turns it for good, right? But there's a thing that's, that, that comes upon us of weariness. Gets you to think that all that, you've done is, all that you've done is worth nothing. Weariness magnifies your monsters. Weariness maximizes your mountains. Weariness gets you thinking distorted about where you are, where God is, and what you're going through. And it's a real weapon that the enemy uses to strip up, stumble, and stop God's people. But Isaiah 40 says in verse 29, he gives strength to the weary. And increases the power of the weak. Jeremiah 31 and 25 says, I will refresh the weary and satisfy the faint. Say that. I will refresh the weary and satisfy the faint. The hour has come for us to move into a new year, moving into 2011. I don't know what's happened for you in 2010. Been many victories. There's been some seemingly defeats. Some people struggled with many things. There's been tragedies. There's been horrible things and, and tremendous, tremendous outpourings and God's release of his power and his kingdom. And as we come to a close of the year, oftentimes people right now, low on vitamin D, wondering where the sun is. Hello. Like, oh, that's, oh, Jesus. <coughs> You need some Son. Everybody say, I need some Son. That is the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. You, you, need a, you need another dose of the Holy Ghost. Come on. Matthew 11, verse 28 says, Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. and I will give you rest. I didn't understand that for the longest time. How does how's that work? I trade one yoke in and I get another. I figured it out after that his burden is easy and his yoke is light. I'm going to look at a number of different passages in the Old Testament. The first one I want you to turn to is 1 Samuel 30. Now we just looked at this I preached a message from it so I want to just touch on it briefly and glean some points that'll help you. Let me let me let me catch you up what's happening in 1 Samuel 30. David is 3 days away. Everybody says 3 days. 3 days away from becoming the king of Judah. He has been running, pillar to post, he's been in caves, he's been hunted. You thought your employer was bad? His employer tried to pin him to the wall with, with javelins as he, as he was worshiping the Lord. Saul was gone nuts. The anointing was off of Saul, God had now chosen a young, ruddy man from the house of Jesse and anointed him and he was going to be the king. In fact, there's three separate anointings in the life of David. And you'll see after each of those three successive anointings, you'll see a, a great transformation in his life. David is now at Ziklag. Ziklag is where he brought God brought to him all the outcasts, brought to him all these different men of war. They were tremendously gifted and talented. They could throw the spear with the left and throw the spear just as accurately with the right, sling with the right, stones with the right, as well as with the left. They were gifted. And they brought all of these men, came to Ziklag, and he went over to the Philistines to, to do a, some raiding with them. And because he was at, it was at war with basically Saul, the Philistines thought, if you turn on us, you're going to kill us, so we don't want you here. They send him back. He returns home. Everybody say, he returns home. He returns home to Ziklag, and the whole place is torched with fire. It's burned. All his wives, all his kids, everybody's gone. It says that they wept until they had no more strength. And if that wasn't enough, and I, I don't know if you've done that, I have weeping, crying. So you can't get up the ground, can't get off the ground, and and you don't have any. You're dehydrated because there's no there's no tears that can run down your face anymore. You're you're just you're wrung out like a washcloth and just left there. That's the way it is. No more strength to cry, lying in a heap. They've lost their family. They've lost everything. And then on top of that, the men want to blame somebody because when you go through something hard, if you're not real solid in God, you want to point your finger at somebody. So they point their finger at David and they said, we should just stone him. They spoke of stoning David. David encouraged himself or strengthened himself in the Lord. He was weary. He was tired. He strengthened himself in God. People, you must learn to strengthen yourself in God. Now this is a review. I just preached this message just recently. You must learn to strengthen yourself in God. It's almost as if in the church we've we've returned to the pre-reformation days. What do you mean by that? Really, truth is, most people when they run into a weariness or run into difficulty, they call somebody. They call their friend, they call their their pastor. Not that there's anything necessarily wrong with that. But really your first phone call should be Jeremiah 33.3 Call upon me and I will answer you and I'll show you great and mighty things. Come on, throw some text up to heaven. Talk to God. Call, you know, Call your pastor. Call your life group leader. Call the one that is discipling you. Absolutely, we can't do it alone. We need relationships. But many people have forgotten that you first go to God. I mean, you you can do them simultaneously. There's always moments in your life when you'll be in a Gethsemane where the people who said they'd be there are a stone's throw away, totally asleep and oblivious to the pain that you're going through while you're sweating blood. That is the way it is in Christianity, and it's designed... By God. Listen, this might shock you, but I'm convinced that God allows for things. Not that it's all from Him, but He allows for things to push you to your end. So that when you get to the end, you begin. You get a hold of His garment. When you get to a place that you can't figure it out and you don't know the answers and you don't have the money and you don't have the gifts and it's totally impossible. But God, That's where the but God comes in. David, he was wiped out. He was tired, but he encouraged himself in the Lord. He called for the ephod. He talked to God. He got a plan. God said, pursue, overtake, and recover all. And he did that. He pursued. He eventually overtook. He had a fight all stinking night long. All night long you had to fight, then he won. Some of you in the middle of the fight, you're only halfway done fighting. Resist the devil, he will. If he didn't leave yet, and you aren't done resisting. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Happy New Year. Happy Hanukkah. Praise the Lord. The enemy will always throw a raiding party just prior to your victory. They'll throw a raiding party into your family. They'll throw a raiding party into your marriage, into your money. Sickness will hit you maybe. The devil's so nervous that you're going to break through the other side. Three days after Ziklag, David becomes the king. What he had waited for for years. He finally has it. The enemy is aware of where you, when your breakthrough is on you. So he'll try to throw everything in the kitchen sink. David encouraged himself. Listen, people. Have you learned to pray in tongues until you got the victory? He said, what, what, what does that mean? I mean, have you learned, have you, you thought that was tongues for a second, did you? That was have you learned to get on your knees, get on your face, and not get up until Jesus comes and brings you the victory. Have you done it? Now I'm gonna tell you for me, innately, I'm lazy. Have to fight it. Don't look at me. I know some of you. I mean, my flesh doesn't wanna doesn't want to do that. But it just so happens that certain instances instances happen in my life where it jeopardizes something that's so close and so near and dear to my heart that it causes me to do that, to get on my face until I get a miracle. I have many, many testimonies. I'll put them in a book. I'm working on it. I've started writing. I'm thankful God's helping me to do that. I think one of our favorite ones is, and I'll, I'll tell a shorter version, We had no rent for three months. I hadn't paid rent in three months. Guess what that means? Eviction. I hadn't paid our phone bill. It's about to be turned off. I hadn't paid our electric. It's about to be turned off. This is years ago. We are struggling starting in ministry we had no, I didn't want to go around and tell the people that I was ministering to, I'm broke, you know. I didn't want to take a loan. I'm just thinking, you know something, God? I, I didn't, I didn't, I, I mean, I quit a well, great paying job to go into full time ministry, started at the very bottom, took a gigantic pay cut, had to turn my really nice truck in. Cause I couldn't pay it. You say, was that God? It was God. He told me, jump son, I'll catch you. Jumped to 25% of what I was making before that. I thought, Whoo-hoo. You know, with a debt load, I wasn't just like junior guy at a, at a, at a college or something. I, I had, you know, I was a man. I had family and the whole thing. It got so ugly and so desperate, and we were so weary. and And my wife, I think that the one particular night she was just weeping. What are we going to do? And she, of course, she was praying too. Now, I had done a twenty one day fast. I had I had th- what I'd call throw off ballast. Give. I had given. You you know you've given when it hurts. If it didn't hurt, you didn't really give. So we didn't have cash to give, so we gave everything else. I gave away our car. I gave away all my clothes. I gave away stuff. We sewed things. I gave to people who I had more than them. I gave them. I gave suits, ties, everything. I just gave away stuff like crazy. So I'm giving. I'm fasting. I'm praying. No No breakthrough. No breakthrough. No breakthrough. Broke, 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 broke. And my landlord, who is this Japanese lady, a Buddhist, says, if you don't have it by the end of the week, I'm sorry, because I really like you guys, but you have to go. And I said, absolutely. I heard a message on a Wednesday night from Dr. Yonggi Cho about tasking prayer, which is you get on your face and you pray until you have your miracle. And if it takes a week of not eating and drinking water, then do it. Have you ever prayed like that? Don't raise your hand. But if you've never gone after God like that, I was talking to somebody. Now, (laughs) I always get myself in trouble for saying stuff like this, but what else is new? I was talking to somebody that could relate. There might be some people online that can relate. Maybe there's some people here that can relate to this, and others of you will have no idea what I'm saying, and I'm not going to explain it you got to go after God like you went after that rock you dropped in the carpet when you were out there and you looked for four hours in a shag carpet until your fingers were raw looking through strains of carpet to find the little piece of drug that you dropped. Four hours. And then you realize, well, maybe you didn't drop it there so you pick all the furniture up and and go every square inch of the carpet until you locate what you thought maybe you lost. Now, I know many people can't relate to that. But there are some that really understand what I'm saying. The bottom line is, have you gone after God like that in the midst of weariness? In the midst of your trial? Have you resisted yet to the point of shedding blood? Have you pressed in and laid hold and not, not stopped Until he came. When I heard that message about tasking prayer, I said, I don't think I've done that. In fact, I know that I haven't. Oh, I've prayed for a few hours. I've fasted. I gave all my stuff away. I gave a car away. I still don't have the miracle. And I wasn't going to go around and go, oh, yeah, I really really need a lot of money. I needed $2,700 exactly. I went across the street that night into the Kula Church. I got on my face before the Lord, had every obstacle try to stop me from doing it. I finally got there at about 10.30. I prayed, God, I'm a tither, I'm a giver, I need some money, and I need it now. And you, know, I'm going to disgrace you, get evicted, and it's not going to be pretty, and I'm trying to win this lady to the Lord, this Buddhist lady who I'm renting from. This is not a good witness. God, help me! And so I just positioned myself in the front chair, and to begin to rock back and forth. I just said, God, give me money. Give me money. Give me greenbacks, Give me kala. God, I need $2,700. God, give me money. Give me money. Release money in Jesus' name. Release the money. Release the money. God, release the money. Well, four hours later, now I was exhausted because I got up for morning prayer. I worked a whole day. Somewhere around 3 in the morning, I realized that my flesh had fallen asleep But my spirit was still praying because I woke up to hear my own voice saying, God, release the true riches of heaven into my life. My prayer changed. Release the true riches of heaven into my life. And I kind of came up, release the true riches of heaven in my life. I kind of woke up like, oh, that's a good prayer. Amen. you know, I just sort of, whoa, what are you praying? Oh, hallelujah. The whole room got lit. I can't so much talk about the rest of it. Because I'll get so messed up. I don't really know what happened. sound of angels' wings. I was, I was on my face in the front and I was at the back. I could hear a choir from heaven singing. It was the glory of God came into that church from about 3 to 3.30 right in there. And all I know, it was the most incredible experience that I've had. One of the many incredible experiences I've had in God. It lifted, his presence lifted, and when it lifted, I kind of like came to, I was like, whoa! Whoa! Ha ha! Whoa! What was that? I found myself collecting my stuff, and I had walked, on, by the time I came conscious of what I was doing, I would collected my Bible and my, my journal, and I was walking across the street. I was halfway across the street, and I realized, oh, I got my answer to prayer. I knew that I knew that I knew deep down in my knower. You didn't know there was a place called a knower, did you? That God did it. I walked across the street. My wife looked at me. And I think, I don't know if you remember this, sweetheart, but she looked at me. And I think she just saw the glow, radiance of heaven or something. She looked at me and said, oh, praise God. And she just went to sleep. I said, it's done. We got our miracle. The next three days before I needed to pay everything, every single Dollar Exactly, exactly 2700 bucks was released When you're facing weariness You've got to do what David did You've got to pray Don't have a second hand Christianity Don't just be addicted to fellowship Get your own baptism have you, have you pressed in like that? Have you done that? He said not yet Then you're not really desperate enough yet and I'd tried everything. I had tried everything and nothing worked. David knew how to encourage himself in the Lord. You need to learn that. When weariness comes, when, when you're too tired to pray, you are too tired not to pray. There's a tiredness that comes from the enemy that wears you down and will beat you up So you miss your three-day appointment. Three days from now, total breakthrough. But you'll quit because you're so tired. Don't throw in the towel. Let's look at another one. Judges chapter 15. Samson had some issues. He faces 3,000 men. Well, he faces these, pardon me, not 3,000 men. He faces these Philistines. I don't know the number. It's impossible odds. They come down and they're going to whoop him. His brothers bound him with ropes. Isn't that amazing that nobody could hold Samson back? Listen to this. This is a message in the message. Nobody could hold Samson back except his brothers. Judges 15. Nobody could keep Samson bound except his own brothers. He could, he could break through anything nothing could hold him back except 3,000 men from Judah could tie him with fresh new ropes and he would be bound. Don't you let your brothers and sisters bind you. Have an opinion of you. It's like crabs in a pot. One crab can get out. But if you have three or four crabs, they can't ever get out. You know why? They're stupid. Because right when one's about to get the deliverance, someone grabs one by the leg and pulls it down. You ever notice that? (laughs) I've seen that in church. Somebody just about to fly, get the victory, and another guy's like, you believe down here. (laughs) Samson faces these insurmountable odds, breaks the rope, and takes the jawbone of a donkey... And whoops up on all the Philistines. Supernaturally whoops them. When he's done, verse 17 of Judges 15. When he finished speaking, he threw away the jawbone, which he shouldn't have been touching anyway because he had a Nazarite a, a, a anointing. I mean, a, um, it's not Nazarite. What is it? is it? It is a, a Nazarite uh, uh, vow that he had made. He shouldn't have been touching dead stuff anyway he messed up in lots of areas verse 18 because he was very thirsty he cried out to the lord he said you've given your servant great victory must i now die of thirst and fall into the hands of the uncircumcised he's about to die of exhaustion and thirst he's at a place of weariness and it says in verse 19, Then God opened up the hollow place in Lehi, and water came out, and Samson drank, and his strength returned, and he revived. The spring is called Enhoke. Now, that, in, in English, it means the spring of the caller. There in every weariness, in every battle, in every place that you have a hard time, if you'll learn to call on God, He will always bring. A spring. Always. Turn to another passage of Scripture, please. Turn to, I believe it's 2 Kings. Oh, Genesis. Fooled you. Genesis 21. Quickly, I'm not going to preach long to you. Unless, of course, things change. Genesis 21. Isaac's born. Genesis 21. Sarah's really ticked off that he had given her maid servant to her husband. She had, must have bumped her head. What woman in her right mind would do anything like that? And all the ladies said, Amen. They wanted to help God out in the promise and they made an Ishmael who we're at war with today. Sarah wants to send Hagar away. Look at verse 8. The child grew and was weaned. And on the day that Isaac was weaned, Abram Abraham held a great feast. But Sarah saw that the son whom Hagar the Egyptian had born to Abraham was mocking. And she said to Abraham, Get rid of that slave woman and her son, for that slave woman's son will never share in the inheritance with my son Isaac. The matter distressed Abraham greatly because it concerned his son, but God said to him, Don't be so distressed about the boy and your maidservant. Listen to whatever Sarah tells you. All the men said, Amen. you to listen to your wife, fellows. So God agrees, yes, send him away. So verse 14. Early the next morning Abraham took some food and a skin of water and gave it to Hagar. And he sent them out, and he sent them out on her shoulders, and he sent her off with the boy. She went her way and wandered into the desert of Beersheba. And when the water in the skin was gone, she put the boy under one of the bushes. Then she went off and sat down nearby about a bow shot away, and she thought, I cannot watch the boy die. And she sat there nearby she began to sob. God heard the boy crying, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What is the matter, Hagar? Don't be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Lift up the boy and take him by the hand. For I will make him into a great nation. Then God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water. So she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy to drink. Listen. There comes a place when sometimes you're holding the thing that's most dear to you and it's dying. And it cries. I don't know if you've ever heard a starving child cry, but it is an unbearable sound. And a mother cannot just listen to that and do nothing. There's, she can't nurse him. She has no water. She's dying herself. And here the boy is crying and wailing and she can't take it any more. She's broken. She's finished. She's got nothing to offer. She's at a place of, of, of weariness and brokenness. A total impossible scenario in the desert of Beersheba. So she takes the baby and she puts him under a broom tree. It was nice. It's shade, but he's still dying. Still crying. Goes off about a bow shot away. God hears the cry and tells her to get up. He opens her eyes. Listen, you've got to learn in the midst of your weariness, don't give up. Everybody say, don't give up. Don't give up. You must learn to cry out to God. You must learn to express your pain to Him. You must call upon Him. And just like David, He'll strengthen you, give you wisdom and a plan to pursue, overtake, and recover all. Just like, just like Samson was ready to die after this huge victory, God opens up a well. He calls to God, God, am I going to die now that I've done this? And He opens up a well. There's always a well in your middle of your personal hell. There is always a well in your in the middle of your desert, there's always a well. In the middle of discouragement, there's always a well. You just got to go dig it. Come on, are there any well diggers up in here? you got to learn to dig it. you got to learn to get your Bible out, read it, until you get a rhema from God that puts fire in your belly. You stand up and begin to use that thing as a double-edged sword and drive the devil out of your camp, drive weariness out of your soul, rise up and you're God-given. I'm encouraging myself, praise God. Rise up and you're God-given, blood-bought, right? And begin to win. You're made to win. You're not made to lose. Defeat is not in the child of God. God doesn't know defeat. There's no such thing. Unless you quit and turn heel, then you lose. And furthermore, in this case, it was a whole nation that would lose. There'll be a revival that'll come to the Arabs. There are covenant people too. And when you talk to somebody who's Arabic, when you talk to somebody of Middle Eastern descent, children of Abraham they are. They're also children of a covenant. And that's how you begin to witness to them. You don't just call them the son of the devil or something. Give me a break. Some of you have put your promise under a tree and just go let it die. You won't have your breakthrough till you get up, go back under the tree and pick up the thing that's crying. God will open your eyes and give you a way a way out. You've got to take responsibility for that thing that you've turned from. She had to go help the boy, the boy couldn't do it himself. Come on, there's you've got to help each other in destiny. I'm, t- I'm gonna tell you, I'm so thankful for people in my life that knew how to dig a well when I didn't even know where the shovel was. I'm so thankful for people that knew how to dig a well for me, who could lay hands on me, and they had a relationship with Jesus that was way deeper, broader, stronger. And I was just a fledgling, hardly you know, trying to believe. God help my unbelief. You know what I mean? They laid hands on me. They prayed. They gave me a word from heaven that just brought me to the next place. Thank God for well diggers. I think we have some in here. Turn to Second Samuel now. Quickly, hurry up. Take your time. 2 Samuel 21. Is anybody getting some help up in here tonight? Don't cave into weariness. Galatians chapter 5. Don't turn there. Don't be weary in well doing. Don't be weary in well doing. Don't be weary in well doing. For in due time you'll receive a harvest. Don't be weary. Don't be weary. You all there? 2 Samuel chapter 21. Find verse 15. Once again, there was a battle between the Philistines and Israel. Once again. David went down with his men to fight against the Philistines. And he became exhausted. And Ishbi-Babanab... You're like, who would name their kid Ishbi Benab? (laughs) Bet he had a hard time there in Philistine High. Ishbi Ben -ben Benab, or however you say that. (laughs) One of the descendants of Rapha, whose bronze spearhead weighed 300 shekels of silver. Now we think that's like 400 pounds. 7.5 pounds to be exact, bronze. About 8 pounds. And who was armed with a new sword, said he would kill David. So here's David. He's about to lose. Now, in, in this new sword, the word new sword, depending upon what version you have, I like new weapon is, I think, the new King James. It says, uh, it says in other places, new armor translators had a hard time with it because it's the only time that word is ever used in the whole of the Old Testament. The only time. So there's, there's nothing to cross-reference it. It's somehow this uncircumcised Philistine had some new weapon, some new armor, some new sword, had some new tactic. And David is exhausted. He's weary and he's about to lose. And it says right there, verse 17, but Abishai, everyone say Abishai. You know what Abishai means? Abishai comes and kicks his butt. You know what Abishai means? The Father's helper. Wow. When you're New Testament application, when you're facing an enemy who's got a new weapon or a new sword, or you're facing exhaustion, you do not know how to win, God knows how to win. God knows how to give you victory, give you the tools, give you the wisdom, give you the keys. He's got an Abishai anointing for you. He has, he has the Father's helper. Who's the Father's helper? The Holy Spirit. Another, the divine helper. He's the divine helper to come and help you. David doesn't die. Abishai whoops up on Ishbi Ben-Banab. <laughs> Come on, somebody say, whoop. whoop. Ishbi Ben Benab. Ishbi ben benab. <laughs> Come on, say it again like you made it. Whoop. Ishbi Ben Benab. Come on, some of you need to whoop some Ishbi Ben Benab. Sound of the thought that was tongues, didn't you? Whoop, Ishbi Ben God's got an Abishai. God's got the Holy Ghost for you. And you know what? David's not by himself. He's got somebody near him, right next to him, who can step up and, and whoop him. Because he couldn't, because he's exhausted. You got friends like that? You got relationships like that? When you're facing a weariness factor, I call it the weariness barrier, or the weariness factor. When you're facing weariness and you just don't know how to win, you realize you've been on this course, you're about to win, but you just feel like quitting. You just feel like throwing in the towel. You just don't know how it's going to happen for you. Let it, let it be a sign unto you that the enemy's nervous about the coronation three days from now. Let it be a sign unto you that the devil is terrified about you actually breaking through the other side of weariness and defeat, and that you'll actually rise up in your God given anointing and fulfill the, the the destiny that God has for you. Let weariness encourage you. I'm weary. Hallelujah. One more example. I need to make note of this one thing that is said. You can do a study on the assassination attempt of the Messiah prior to his first advent. Constantly you see the enemy constantly trying to clip the lineage of Jesus. Over and over and over and over. And here's another. And there's a little key here. This is another message, but it's interesting. They they wipe out this Ishbi Ben Benob. And they say to David, Never again will you go out with us to battle so that the lamp of Israel will not be extinguished. Fascinating. Because... The, from, from the loins of David would come because the God said that there will always be an heir on the throne from David. And it's referring to the Messiah. David is, is in the lineage of Jesus. So when they say, never again will the, will the lamp of Israel, we don't want the lamp of Israel extinguished. They're saying that, David, you are like a lamp unto her feet and a light upon her path. But prophetically, it was pointing to the Messiah. It's fascinating. Awesome. Turn with me one more passage of scripture. Second uh, Nebuchadnezzar. Second Nebuchadnezzar. Go ahead. Second Hezekiah. Okay, just kidding. Second Kings. First Kings. First Kings. First Kings. I've never heard of the bird of the book of Nebuchadnezzar. Because there isn't one. First Kings. First Kings nineteen. And this will be the last scripture for tonight. Maybe. We're talking about breaking weariness. We're talking about a strategy of the enemy that comes right when you're about to have a breakthrough. Ziklag before Zion, whatever you want to call it, there always comes an assignment of the enemy to try to trip you up and mess you up right before you get the big mac daddy breakthrough. And in every case that we've looked at, and there's tons more, God gives strength to the weary. Isaiah 40 verse 29. And to the weak. He increases their power. That's what He does. So if you're weak, come on, in your weakness, His strength is made perfect, said said Paul. I never understood that. I think I understand it a little bit. If you're feeling like you're at the end of your rope, hallelujah. Reach for His garment and watch what happens. God will build you a bridge. You won't be swinging from a rope anymore. First Kings 19, are you all there? 1 Kings 19, verse 8. But before we read that, let me tell you that he's just whooped all of Jezebel's prophets. He just creamed them. 400 prophets of Baal just got smoked, fire came down on the altar. And then and then Jezebel sends a messenger in verse 2 and says I'm am I'm going I'm to kill you. And which I think is just funny. He's he's tired. When you're tired, man, things look way bigger. They look huge when you're weary and you're tired and you're feeling hopeless. He just wiped out 400 prophets of Baal with with partnering with God. Jezebel comes and says I'm going to kill you. Like right, but But he takes it. He's afraid. Verse 3, Elijah was afraid and he ran for his life. He goes, he hides under a broom tree. He said, I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. Kill me. He's suicidal. He's suicidal. He's so weary. He's like, Lord, kill me now. I've prayed that prayer. I know some of you have too. Lord, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Just take me to heaven. I'm no better than my ancestors, he says. Then he lied down under a tree and fell asleep all at once. All at once an angel came, looked around, and, and makes a barbecue for him. Feeds him some barbecue, gives him a jar of water. He eats, drinks, and lies down again. He's so tired he's got to take another nap. Verse 7, the angel of the Lord came back a second time. So he's napping, he's refreshing. Listen, there are seasons where you better just take a break. Because if you don't take a break, you're going to have a breakdown. He said, is that biblical? Yes, rest is absolutely biblical. And I I know when I'm at my point. Because I just want to choke anything. I don't have any grace. I just be like... Why don't you grab yourself by your bootstraps, suck it up, and get it. In the, you, know, that's, you know, you don't really want to hear that from your pastor, right? So I, I sign off when I hit that point, and I get refreshed. Some of, you need, some, of you need to, some of you need a break. You say, yeah, well, I can't stop working. Then you need to find a break in the throne room. You need to find it. angel Lord came back a second time, touched him, and said, Get up, eat, for the journey is long. the, The journey is too much for you. Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up, he ate, drank, strengthened by that food. He traveled 40 days, 40 nights, until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into the cave and spent the night. Horeb is exactly where, and I've said this before, Horeb is the mountain of God that Moses was hid inside the cleft of the rock. They had the scrolls of Moses in this, It's 1 Kings 19. They had them. I think Elijah knew exactly where the cave was. I think he ran at the direction of the Lord to go get in the cleft of the rock so that he could get refreshed from thinking stupid thoughts because he was weary. When you're facing weariness, apply these scriptures, man. Don't give up. Don't let up. Don't throw in the towel. Some of you feel like you just wiped out a whole Philistine camp with a jawbone. You say, I'm so thirsty if I don't get you, the, the well of the caller. Samson cried out. God God refreshed him. David encouraged himself in the Lord. In Beersheba, the, 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 the wilderness of Beersheba the desert, there's Hagar and her son. Some of you have to go back and pick up some hurtful thing and deal with it though it's crying and you don't want to hear it anymore, God will open your eyes and show you how to help that thing. Some of you need to go back in the midst of things that you've turned your back on. Some of you aren't hearing from God anymore simply because when He told you to do something, you still haven't done it and you're waiting for a new set of instructions because you don't want to hear the cry of that thing anymore. You won't get your eyes open till you go back. You've got to go back. David, exhausted, about to be killed, weapon. A new weapon had the enemy had, and God sent an Abishai. They're all types and shadows. Abishai, the Father's helper, the Holy Spirit. God wants to help you. You don't have to be weary. You don't have to be depressed. You don't have to be oppressed. But if you don't do something, you'll stay that way, and you might end up quitting. Come on, just talk to Jesus right now. Elijah, the greatest prophets of the Old Testament, quits because Jezebel freaks out, threatens him. He goes, he hides in the cleft of the rock, strengthened by supernatural divine power. God comes to him. There's a wind that rips into the rocks that God wasn't in the wind. There's fire that falls and God wasn't in the fire. And then comes a still small voice, and God says, "What are you doing in the cave?" He says, "Get out of the cave. Go anoint Jehu. Go anoint. Go anoint uh, Elisha in your in your stead." Which, "Go anoint Elisha in your stead" means you're almost done with the race. In other words. Elijah, you mighty man of God, your days are almost finished. Run the race. Finish the race. Go anoint this guy. He's going to be your hand washer, and then he'll take your place. Go anoint Jehu, who then drove his chariot like a wild man and had Jezebel thrown out. Jezebel wasn't going to be around for long. She got killed, although she had a daughter. Watch out for her, Athaliah, Jesus. That generational thing moving on to the next generation. Athaliah, Jezebel, by another name. Another passage of scripture. Go anoint. I forget his name as king. He breaks off his weariness. He strengthens him. He gives him a fresh assignment. He comes out of the cave slinging oil. Some of you need to come out slinging oil. Get your horn of oil. Come out of your cave. Be refreshed, be renewed today. Lift your hands in the air and wave them like you just don't care. Because God's on the throne and He loves you. Oh, God's on the throne and He loves you. So you've fallen, and you've stumbled, and you've made mistakes. You feel weary and tired. You feel disgraced. The enemy's come to whisper in your ear and say it. you just won't work. It just won't work. But God says to you tonight, lift your hands. God says to you tonight, lift your voice and call on me. I'll refresh you I'll heal you I'll touch you I'll renew you I'll strengthen you I'll strengthen you Oh I'll touch you I'll heal you I'll renew you I'll strengthen you Today I'll give you a plan I'll open your eyes you can make it, yes you can. You can make it, yes you can. God's taking care of you. God's taking care of you. You can make it, yes you can, yes you can. You can make it, yes you can, yes you can. You can make it. You can make it. You can make it. You can. You just got to call on it.